0: Saint Sinclair, I am almost home.
1: Well, here's the thing. You got one more mission to go. You solve it, and you get the kids back. You get your wife back. Then what?
0: What do you mean, then what?
1: Do you think the Treadwell's gonna let you walk away?
0: Do you think that I'm gonna let him? Good point. We walked through the concourse of the airport, and when we arrived at the car, I paused. Waiting for that call, huh? I'm shocked that it hasn't come already. The last couple of jobs were so close together. Maybe. What?
1: Maybe they're trying to locate the last item before the call is made. Maybe they want to get set up. Set up? Yeah, to set you up. Sin, you're almost done with this job. You're the only person that has knowledge of these acquisitions and eliminations. Do you really think you ain't a liability? I hadn't really thought of it. Well, you better start, because if you don't plan for the worst, you will...
0: Always be caught. I know. Jameson rule number four.
1: Well, abide by it.
0: I have. I've lived by all his rules. I couldn't be where I am now without them.
1: Or without him.
0: I drove home, faintly aware of the autumn changes occurring outside of my life. The trees were resplendent in browns, oranges, and reds. And the roads and hills were carpeted in leaves that had already fallen. The kids would have loved to have seen this.
1: They would love to see this man, you are like they are a million jobs away, one job, that's it. After that, you'll have them back, and then all you have to worry about is them trying to kill you after the exchange.
0: Really, Solace, you need to be more positive about this situation. How do you know that I won't kill them
1: first? How do you know that you'll get that chance? Always be aware that the danger you can't see usually already has you in its sights. Jameson rule number 12. What is it with you and Jameson today? I'm your conscience. What is it with you and Jameson today?
0: I hadn't thought of Jameson in quite a while. It wasn't nearly as long as it had been since I had thought of Sarge. But then again, Jameson had a much bigger role in making me who I am. When Silas died, a huge part of myself went with him. I stopped caring about anything. My mom was dead, and my father may well have been the same. Solace was all that I had left, and when he needed me the most, I had let him down. More than that, I had led him to his doom. If I hadn't gone to that party and forced him to come, and then ignored his request to leave, he wouldn't have been in trouble. If I had gotten up gone to school, and hung out with him that evening, his dad wouldn't have attacked him. And even if he had, he wouldn't have attacked him alone because I would have been there the way Solace was there for me. <sighs> After Solace's funeral, I sat alone in my apartment for a week. I slept, I ate, and I cried. But mostly, I brooded. Finally, I came to the realization that my food supply was becoming dangerously low, and unlike before, I didn't have solace to slip me food. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't go to school and ask for food, because they would likely alert the authorities and let them know that I was now officially an orphan. CPS would take me away, and I would never see... See what? It wasn't like I had anything keeping me in Lower Edison. If they could take me away from this life and give me something better, then I was all for it. I got dressed, packed up my clothing into a suitcase, and set it next to the door and left for school. I walked into the counselor's office and let them know that I was Jeremiah Sinclair, that my mother had died, and that I was homeless. They immediately had me placed in a group home in Silverton which was only five miles outside of Lower Edison, but felt like a new world to me. After all, for the majority of my 16 years, I had never traveled outside the radius of 23rd and Trajan. My life was contained in five square blocks. But if I was looking for an escape from Lettison, which is what we call the bullet-ridden blocks of Lower Edison, I didn't find much of it in Silverton. In fact, I found that the folks in the group home were mostly cold from Edison. Many of the boys in the home were people I went to school with or fought with, but the majority were friends of kids that I had fought against. I got in four fights in my first week at the home. After the first month, my record was pretty much tied, with me having won six fights and lost six. On the thirty-ninth day of me being there, I was called into the headmistress's office. I walked in, sullen and bruised, tired and still hungry, sat down and stared at her.
2: Hello, Jeremiah.
0: I continued to stare at her.
2: Okay, so, Jeremiah... You've been here for a little more than a month. How do you think you're getting along thus far? You've been in a lot of fights since your arrival. Is there anything you'd like to tell me? Is everything all right? Well, looking at your file, I see that you're the only child of Angela Sinclair who died in 1989 of a crack cocaine overdose. Your father is unknown. Your mother died three years ago, yet this is your first time in a group home. What did you do for those three years? How did you survive? Well, Jeremiah, you can sit quietly if you wish, but the bottom line is that You've been in more fights in one month than we would ever allow. You cannot stay here. (coughs) Oh, now you speak. Well, what do you think can be done in this situation? I don't know if you're starting the fights or... I
0: didn't let her finish her sentence. I stood up and walked out the door, leaving my suitcase and clothing behind. I walked for what felt like hours, blindly wandering streets and alleyways. I didn't know where I was going, and I didn't really care. I just knew that I wanted to get away from Silverton, away from the group home, and away from the memories that chased me. True, I had gotten in a lot of fights, but that was the way of the jungle. I had to fight to show that I could belong, to get respect, and not disrespect either. I had to fight to get absolution. I was fighting not just for myself. But whenever I saw someone younger and smaller being bullied, that act simply made my blood boil. Seeing someone getting picked on who could do nothing about it was wrong. And if no one else willing to step in and help, I would. When I finally looked around, I realized three things. That I was lost, that it was dark, and that I was hungry. Okay, four things also that I had no money. As I walked along the roads towards what seemed like the grimier part of town, I saw a man surrounded by four other men. The other men were clearly drunk, yelling slurs and curses towards the man. The man, to his credit, did not look scared at all. However the scene may have actually been, to me, it seemed as though one old man was about to get beat up by four younger men and that was something that I could not tolerate. I felt anger boiling up in me, and I chose to embrace it rather than ignore it. Charging into the group, I swung at the man nearest to me. I don't know what I was expecting to happen. Perhaps I hoped that I would knock the first man out, and the rest would run away in horror. However, that wasn't close to what occurred. Instead, the man that I hit turned to me with a sneer on his face. I could tell that the next person being hit was going to be me, and I prepared myself, because I wasn't going to allow this man to beat me, nor was I going to allow the older man to be beaten. As the man and his friends focused their attention on me, the older gentleman
3: spoke. Focus, fellas. I believe we have previous business to attend to. They turned back to face him,
0: and with the speed and grace that far belied his age, He took each and every one of them down. It was an awesome sight to see. Once he had subdued the last one, he turned to me.
3: Thanks for your help, fella. Not that I needed it, as you can clearly see, but thanks.
0: As he began to walk away, I shouted out from the stop. He turned. Yes?
4: I...
3: Spit it out, son. Uh, can can I walk
2: with you?
0: (laughs) Free country. He began walking at a brisk pace, and I walked alongside. After walking in silence for a half hour, Jameson
3: spoke. Don't you, uh, Um, have a place you need to go? A place? Home, son. Home. What do you think I mean? Oh, uh, well, I... That is the second time we've had that awkward silence coming from you after a question from me. I just stood there, ashamed. I knew
0: exactly what I wanted, but I didn't know how to ask for it, so I just
3: waited. Look. You saw a man that you thought was in trouble, and you rushed to his aid. (laughs) I respect that, and I thank you for it. You're welcome. Wow, you speak. Good. Let's go with it. What's your name? My, My name is Jeremiah Sinclair. you... Well, my name's son is Timothy Jameson. Friends call me Timothy. Though so you can call me Mr. Jameson. Oh, oh, okay, Mr. Jameson. We walked on in silence,
0: crunching leaves filling the void in the conversation.
3: So, Jeremiah, you have a history? Uh, excuse me? Well, you've got a lot of heart helping me out like you did against uh, four men. Either that or you're crazy, I have to ask. Do you have a criminal background? No, not at all. No assaults, no muggings, no drug addiction? No, sir. Are you from around here?
2: Well, sort of.
3: Sort of? What the hell does that mean? I told him the entire story,
0: Angela turning to Autumn, Silas, her death
3: and his. So you run away, huh? No, sir. They kicked me out. But instead of fighting to stay, you left. You fought to get out, essentially. No, I, I wasn't fighting to get thrown out. I was fighting because... Because they were picking on the small and the unfortunate. Right. Well, Jeremiah, I respect that. A hell of a lot as well. But you have to realize that sometimes the only way that the small and the unfortunate will ever grow and mature is if they are faced with adversity. Kind of like you. So your past has allowed you to be steeled to the world and has planted an idea in your head that you could fend for yourself. <laughs> but you can't, can you? What would you have done if I hadn't called those men back? I would have fought. Until the death? If I had to. <laughs> Okay, if that's true, and I have no reason to believe otherwise, here is one very important thing to remember, young man. Always have your back to the wall. You cannot find any better defense for yourself than when you have your back to the wall. Because then, you only have three areas that your attacker can come by. You understand?
4: I think I understand. Well... Jameson Rule Number One Hello, Mr. Sinclair. Well, here we are at the final mission. The last hurrah. The final countdown, if you will. I almost want to call you Jeremiah, because I feel so close to you right now. I feel like we've been through so much together. What, with me telling you what to do and what to retrieve? And then watching over your kids for you in your absence. Keeping them safe, I suppose. Whole is more like it. As long as you got the job done, I kept them whole. By the way, your youngest asked me for a fruit snack. He said that he used to get those for being good at home, and that he had been very, very good. So, could he please have a fruit snack? I told him that in my world, when he is good, he'll know it because I won't chop his beautiful little fingers off. We are at the end of the road, Mr. Sinclair. You complete this job, you get your children back. You get your wife back. You will never see us again. Isn't this a grand way to do business? What have we learned from this? Well, I've learned that if I want to get something done, I just need to snatch up someone's kids and threaten mutilation. Does it work? It's got you doing our bidding, isn't it? Here's the last job. Same process as always, except when you complete this one, there will be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Speaking of rainbows your daughter. I think she's going to need therapy after this one. You know how she loves to color, right? I do. Because she told me over and over again that she just wanted her mommy and her coloring crayons. Not you, by the way. Those were her two requests. Anyhow, I advised her that I don't do coloring crayons. So she has been biding her time by tracing in the dirt with her toes. At first, she was sketching rainbows. But as time went on, she moved to poetry, then haikus. And at latest glance, just three words. I'll be good. I think it's sad if I cared. But I don't, so I didn't. Don't fail.
1: I really don't like that guy.
4: Focus.
0: The information for the next target appeared on the screen. The person of interest was Henry Nance, an inventor who lived in Lee Summit, Missouri. I took a look at his picture and turned off the phone. I knew the routine. I wouldn't be contacting them until I retrieved whatever item they were sending me after. At that point, I would let them know that I had the technology, and they would give me my family. Would they, though? Silas was right, and it brought to mind a story that I had heard involving a little boy and a wolf that he fed every day. When the little boy finally ran out of food, the wolf turned to him and said, I only spared you because you were doing me a service. Now that that well is dried up... You are once again nothing more than a meal. He then pounced on the boy and ate him. The moral of the story was stark and revealing. Those friends of convenience are not real friends. Duh! I turned the car around and drove back to the airport. I took a look at the itinerary and found a flight to Kansas City. It was the nearest city to Lee Summit that had a major airport. I purchased a ticket and sat down at the gate to await the arrival of the flight. What in the hell are you doing? I'm waiting. For what? Do I really have to answer that? We're sitting in a plastic chair at a gate in the airport.
1: (sighs) Dang man. I feel homeless. What? Nothing. So we go after to Henry, hopefully not having to kill him.
0: You know, we need to discuss that whole you not wanting me to kill people thing. It isn't going to happen, Solace. It's my job.
1: Well, it may be your job, but ain't nobody paying you for these missions, Sin. Unless you're getting that under the table, Cash. Is you? No. Well, then in that case, killing Henry would just be extra credit, wouldn't it? Trust me, if there's any one thing on you that doesn't need a workout, it's your trigger finger. Let's try and keep this one bloodless, shall we?
0: If I say yes,
1: will you be quiet? Come on now, you know me way better than that. But at the very least, I will have done my job. You were right. You are my conscience. In all honesty, I'm a utility player. I'm whatever you detach from to do whatever jobs you need to do, which I'm okay with. But can I ask you a question, Sin? Sure. Do you really think you would have been able to do something to keep me safe from my dad? I... Because I know you remember the way Pops was when he was drinking. He wasn't going to be stopped by you. I know you think you were this big dude, but let's be honest. You were nearly as scrawny as I was. Just taller. I could have fought him.
0: I won every fight that I was ever in. Every fight that you were ever
1: in. Every fight that we were ever in was against children. You wouldn't have stood a chance against Pops. The only difference is that he would have had two bodies on him instead of one.
0: Why are you bringing
1: this up? Because, man, you need to let go. Your world is becoming pretty blurry, isn't it? Initially, you were fighting to help the helpless. Those who couldn't help themselves. But these folks are the helpless, sin. You, right now, you're helping out stone-cold, heartless dudes, man. And in doing so, you're hurting a lot of people who did nothing to deserve it, other than possibly inventing something that invited trouble.
0: I thought about what Silas was saying. And while I could admit that he was correct, that my life may have gone off the path that it was originally on, this path that I was currently treading would bring me back to my family. I could keep telling myself that even if half of me didn't truly believe it. I sat back in the hard plastic chair and closed my eyes. I didn't open them again until it was time to board the flight. I boarded the plane and once I was settled in, I thought about Solace's dad and my lack of one. The closest thing that I had was Jameson. After that initial chance meeting, he took me under his wing and into his home. He taught me about the different angles of combat, the ways to incapacitate an opponent, and many other things. What struck me as the most important thing that he did for me, though, was that he listened. He listened as I told him about Solace's death and about the way his death was taken, not with an uproar in the neighborhood, but more of a whisper. He listened as I told him, never knowing my father of the day that I waited for him on the corner. He listened, and more than anything else in the world, that was what I needed at the time. We landed in Kansas City and drove the 32 miles to Lee Summit. Once we arrived at the address, I stopped the car,
1: and I said, I promise. Then my job is done.
0: I walked up to the secretary and asked where Henry Nance's
1: office was located at.
0: She pointed to the left, and I nodded in appreciation.
1: See what happens when you don't point a gun at anyone?
0: I walked down the hallway until I reached his office, and I knocked twice, opened the door.
5: Hey, can I help you?
0: My name is Jeremiah Sinclair Henry. The gentleman that I'm working for is interested in the item that you've been working on. I've been sent here to retrieve it.
5: So, uh, you work for Mark Treadwell?
0: Yes. You know of him.
5: <laughs> do I? His company's been funding my research for probably about four years. Um, I'm not surprised that you're here. But based on what you said, I already know everything that I need to know. What do you mean? You don't really work for Mark, do you? You're more of a contractor, right? Yes. That's true. See, the reason why I knew that is because the item that I designed for his company cannot be picked up. Come again? Well, let me explain. Uh, The system that I developed is a a satellite-based GPS system.
0: So he sent me to get something that he could have bought at radio Shack
5: <laughs> no not not exactly uh the g p s has full tracking capabilities as well as monitoring uh it allows you not only see where somebody is but uh their heart rate, body temperature, and you know uh, if your heart stops, you can administer adrenaline shots remotely to save their life it's It's kind of a big thing you know
0: so uh if it monitors heart rates along with locations, it's a bit more than a GPS.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's a bit more. Um, I call it a updated pacemaker, for lack of a better term. Once surgically implanted into a body, we can track where a person is at any given point in the day.
0: Hmm. So there isn't anything to be picked up? Henry pointed had a case next to the door.
5: Uh, only the data and the system specs, along with uh, one of the prototype sensors.
0: Then why? Never mind. Thank you, Henry, for your assistance in this situation.
5: You're welcome. Uh, you can see yourself out. That was easy.
0: Yeah, very easy too easy. I was thinking the same. As we walked to the car, I prepared a text message for Clements saying that the item had been secured. However, before I pressed send, I sat in the car and waited. Why would it be that simple? Henry was the most easy-going person that I had ever encountered in my travels. Nothing should have been that flawless. He expected me. The secretary didn't flinch or hesitate at all when she pointed me in the direction of Henry's office. It didn't add up. Henry should have at least shown a little shock, but he didn't. That was what troubled me. If I was at work and someone walked into my office that I didn't know, I would have some sort of trepidation in my voice. But he had none.
1: Also... He said there was nothing for you to pick up, but then he kind of backtracked and told you about the case, like...
0: Like he forgot his lines or something. I got out of the car and walked back towards the entrance of the office. Once I arrived at the front door, I pressed send on the text message that I had written for Clement. The car bomb that was placed underneath the vehicle nearly vaporized the car, along with the cars on both sides of it. I stared at it for a while, then walked back into the office, past the shock secretary, and into Henry's office.
5: Hey, how...
0: I pointed my gun at him and said, Get your keys. We're going for a ride.
5: (laughs) I'm not going anywhere with you, man. You can save that. Why don't you have a seat and tell me what just happened out there?
0: What happened out there is that while I was in here, someone placed a bomb under my car. The way that I figure it is that it was your secretary, since you two are the only ones in this office. Which is also rather suspicious, since this item that you have made is a rather difficult item to make with the rather sparse items that you have in this office. (sighs) So, with that, if you'll excuse me for just one moment. I walked back out into the hallway where the secretary was sitting. She looked up at me and smiled, and I shot her in the face.
1: What the fuck, Sin?
0: I walked back into Henry's office and shot him in the right kneecap. He collapsed. I walked over to him and stuck a gun to his head, advising him to shut up. He quieted down almost immediately, and I said, So here's what I figure. You're an inventor, maybe. Your research has been funded by Treadwell's company for four years? Perhaps. What I think is this. You're a man who got in way over his head and owed Treadwell for something, and the way to repay him was to set me up. Right
5: or wrong? Right.
0: So what was supposed to happen?
5: After you died, I was supposed to call Treadwell and let him know the situation was handled. Then I was clear. And you believed him? What do you mean?
0: The man has my family. He said that if I complete this job, I would see them again. Obviously, I wasn't supposed to make it through.
1: No gold at the end of the rainbow.
0: Hmm. What? Send a message. Let Treadwell know that the job is done.
5: How's that going to work and you're still alive?
0: You won't be. If you don't send the message, Henry gritted his teeth, sighed, and reached into his jacket pocket. Slowly,
5: I warned him. Calm down, I'm just getting the phone. Phone retrieved. Henry typed
0: out a message to Treadwell and pressed send. All right, it's done. Except. Except what? Except the job isn't done. And maybe you planned on resolving that. Maybe. Faster than I anticipated, Henry reached down and brandished a pistol from an ankle holster and fired off a round, striking the wall behind me. I quickly pulled the trigger and shot him in the stomach. (laughs) He dropped his gun, and I walked over to him.
5: So close.
0: And with that, Henry died. I grabbed his jacket and felt around for his keys. Pocketing them, I also grabbed his
1: wallet. Sin, don't touch that man's money.
0: Do I look like a thief?
1: Well, you already surprised me once today.
0: I took a look at Henry's ID card. David Evers, lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I flipped through the billfold and found a picture of David and his family. Sorry, David. Better you than me. I picked up David's phone and, placing it in my pocket, walked out to the parking lot. Pressing the alarm button, I located the one car that beeped and walked over to it. As I opened the door... David's cell phone received a video message.
6: So you did it, huh? You completed the assignment. Send me a picture of him. I want to see him dead. I walked
0: back into the office, snapping a picture of David. Just for fun, I also snapped a picture of the secretary. I hit send, and I waited.
1: Why wait? You got his damn number. Give him a jingle. But before I could, the phone rang.
6: Jeremiah. Mark. I'd say it was nice to speak with you again, but you have David's phone in your hand, and obviously you've heard the message, so I won't try to misdirect you.
0: Treadwell, I am going to kill you. If I can't kill you today, I'll try again tomorrow and the day after. You will regret the day that you ever touch my family.
6: Promises, promises. I would remind you that while you're feeling quite invincible right now, given the results of the last hour, your family is not so fortunate. In fact, your wife and children have never been so... exposed. Hold, please. The phone went silent. Did he really just
1: hang up on you?
6: I think I'm on hold. <laughs> that be. Thank you for holding. I had to do a little research. Mr. Clements, are you with us?
4: Yes. Yes, I am.
6: At what time did you give this assignment to Jeremiah?
4: Well, I sent the first message to him at 1130 this morning.
6: And I got the first message from David's phone at 431 p.m.
4: And I'm going to...
6: Not so fast, Jeremiah. We're not talking to you. So what was the initial stipulation that we had given for Jeremiah?
4: That if he didn't get back in contact with us in 24 hours, we would take a limb from a family member.
6: Hmm. And this took roughly five hours, give or take.
4: Yeah, give or take.
6: Well, let's give. Huh. I'm giving you a penalty for murdering David of nine hours and another penalty for killing a secretary of 12 hours. She wasn't innocent, you see. That gives you 24 hours and one minute. You're out of time. Clement, choose a child. With pleasure.
0: My stomach dropped. This couldn't be happening to them. This couldn't be happening to me. But I did what you asked. I completed every single job. My kids, if you touch my kids, I will...
6: Do nothing.
4: Come here, little one. Put your hand on this table. Don't do this. You did this. I'm bound to a contract. Mr. Sinclair, I'm sure that I'll be seeing you soon.
6: I will kill you. Doesn't matter. I've gotten what I need from you. In fact, I'm bored with this conversation. Clements, if you
4: will. Yes, sir.
1: I'll be good. I'll be good.
5: This is Single Simulcast. don't know about now than you